Welcome back to another episode of Snapback Country. I'm Troy, joined by Chris. Chris, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Troy. Good as always to be here. Awesome. How was your week? Hey, it wasn't too bad, man. Got to see uh, two awesome uh, Hawkeye victories since the last time we spoke, so it was uh, great to get some Ws. How was uh, it on your end? You know, a little under the weather right now, but it was an all right week. Bought some tickets to the Halsey concert in Nashville on thursday so pretty pumped about that um, i know it's not your typical that. country but hey it's gonna be a heck of a show yeah i, I can just hear it in your voice you already sound a little bit better <laughs> i mean she's my favorite well hey guys we got a nice interview here for you today we got neil medley on uh, he's been on the country scene i think he's been in nashville for the last 20 years or so it's big songwriter written over uh, at least 40 cuts that we know of and talks a lot about his stories and working with other songwriters, artists, and we're really excited to talk about some of his work with some of the artists on the scene and working with other uh, songwriters and how he's been able to overcome some of the problems and overcoming uh, some of the biggest uh, stresses in the job in the day-to-day and working with his family and, and other obstructions out there. Yeah. And The cool thing about this interview with Neil is we didn't know him beforehand. So like the previous two guests, Joey Hyde and Brindley Addington, we have relationships with them before they like came on or whatever. Like we met Neil tonight. Neil came up to my door and I was like, hey, I'm Troy. So it was pretty cool to get to know him and about his writing styles and everything. And like he's an awesome dude. Like he was so fun to hang out with and after the interview you know we were kind of just shooting the shit with him too so really looking forward to you guys hearing this but yeah we'll send it over right now so here's the interview all right welcome on uh we got a great guest here he's got cuts from luke bryan kid rock jake owen tyler farr Lindsay l josh evan and many more uh it's neil medley how are you doing today doing good how are you i'm doing well how you doing over there chris Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for joining us today, Neil. Absolutely. Yeah, we really appreciate it. So your most recent cut, I guess that's been on radio, is the Lindsay L. I Don't Love You. Tell us a little bit more about that. Who'd you write it with and all that? I wrote that one with uh, Adam Hambrick and Melissa Fuller. We wrote it about two and a half years ago. Okay. And uh, Adam Hambrick's an artist in town. So we kind of wrote it. um, It was one of those days where you're, I think we wrote two half songs mm-hmm. and uh, nothing was really clicking. And then we were about to pack it up and I go, I got a, I got another title. If y'all want to try this one. And I threw out, I don't love you, but I still miss you sometimes. Yeah. And then Adam went, started singing. He sang the whole chorus right after I said that, like, <laughs> it's a pretty simple chorus if you've heard the song, Yeah, yeah. but he sang that complete melody. And then Melissa started in on that, the verse, like the cadence of the verse, which is something I've never done before. Uh, kind of that, it's like a snake thought. It just keeps, it's a run-on sentence, basically, mm-hmm. a run-on, a stream of consciousness. So it was really cool to 
it just fell out in like, I think we wrote it maybe in 45 minutes. Yeah. So we spent all day, like five hours trying to find something. And what we found, it only took us 45 minutes to write. Mm -hmm. I was kind of hoping that Adam would, would cut it. He cut some songs for his, his album. I think he's with Disney or he's with one of the record labels. And, uh, I thought he was going to cut it. He didn't cut it. And then Lindsay found it. And I still mm -hmm. don't know what the story is, how she found it. Some people say she heard him playing it at a uh, sound check. Uh -huh. um, some people claim they pitched the song. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't care who yeah. or how it found it. As long her, as it got to her. <laughs> it yeah. found it. And uh, I was excited because uh, that was one of those songs. We write songs every day, but that was one of those songs I knew was kind of special. Mm -hmm. And it never left my head. I always believed in that song. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a bunch of songs I don't believe in. As soon as I write them, it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's all right. But uh, that was one of those that never left my head. And when she found it, I was just so appreciative. Then we found out that she was going to single it. And she put it out in December. And it seems to be doing really well. Yeah, I think it's doing quite well. I mean... I know it's my mom's favorite song right now. Oh, really? That's awesome. <laughs> Tell your mama said hi. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be listening. But yeah. And it's kind of funny because I think a lot of average country fans and just news outlets think that like she wrote that, you know, about like the whole Bobby Bones thing. And, Absolutely. Like, how that's all played out. It's kind of funny that like, you know, she didn't. And But it kind of works for her life. Yes. And I actually, I want people to believe that. You know, yeah, I want them to point. believe in that story if if they know that story. Mm -hmm. And then I want them to believe that she went through that, which yeah. she did. She did yeah. go through that same. I met her right before Christmas and uh, she had already cut the song. She'd already released the song mm -hmm. and I hadn't met her yet. And she goes, there's two things about that song that really made me cut it. Mm -hmm. It was the leftovers yeah. uh, part where my ex wouldn't let me bring leftovers back. Home yeah, yeah, yeah. They never ate them. And the Stevie Wonder records. I have a bunch of Stevie Wonder records. At okay. Home. And she goes, when I heard those two parts, I definitely thought it was written for me. So yeah. that's a huge honor to yeah. have someone that wasn't in the room believe that we wrote it for her. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'll take that every day of the week. For sure. Yeah, because I know... She played like this past Monday at the Bobby Bones Million Dollar Show. Oh, yeah. And so she played it on stage with him. <laughs> I don't know how she did that. Uh, I because I, I, I honestly believe she feels every word that, yeah. that we wrote as if she were in the room and <laughs> to have him sitting behind her. Uh, A little awkward. I saw the video of that the other day and I was like, how she got through that, I have no idea. Well, yeah. I So I saw one video. It's pretty funny because artists when they're singing they'll kind of turn their head from the mic to like take a breath and he was right there and so she's like i don't love you and like took a breath and kind of looked at him i'm sure it wasn't on purpose but it's just super funny that's amazing <laughs> and i'm so thrilled with how that the production how her voice mm -hmm. i think it's her best vocal that i've heard and I, it sounds it sounds weird saying that because it's your song, but yeah, uh, I really do believe that she went with Dan Huff this time, and Dan absolutely knocked it out of the park. Yeah, and uh, just does the best vocal I think that 
anyone's ever captured on her. And, Mm -hmm. and I think it has a lot to do with the emotion of the song and what she, she believes in. So I'm just truly honored that she cut that and, and she put it out. Yes. That's that's what we all want. We want that single. Oh yeah. So, uh, Hopefully it keeps out there and climbing up the radio charts. Yes. Absolutely. No, I mean, at least from just the, the fans perspective too. And you, I think you kind of hit this nail on the head of, you don't really know who's going to take these songs when you are writing them. Uh, and that was kind of one of the questions that I had is just from like our perspective as a fan and country music in and of itself, when you're writing these, you, you don't know who's going to cut them if they're going to get cut at all. So when you are, I guess writing it, and this might go off a, a little bit of a different way and we can kind of steer it back. Sure. But when you do you have like a, a direct set in mind of like, if you're writing this down and in the back of your mind, like whose the direction this is going to head in, whether it's going to be even like a female vocalist or a male vocalist, or do you just have like, I hope this gets cut in general, or do you just do you have a little bit general sense of you guys in a room? I probably have a little bit of sense, but I try not to think about it. I probably should think about it more than I do. Mm-hmm. The only time I really, really think about it is when the artist is in the room. I'm really trying to tailor the message. If I've done a little background on where they're from, if they're from Georgia, I may throw out Georgia Sky or, you know, some kind of imagery that might might hit their, what they look for and what they react to. But no, I honestly thought 90% of the songs I write, I'm just trying to write the best song as if I were the artist, as if my co-writers were the artist. And probably shame on me, but uh, <laughs> I know there are, are some really rich writers in Nashville that know where everybody lives and where they're from and what their marriage status is. And I don't think about it. I really don't. And it comes off as kind of phony to me a little bit if, if I try too hard, because what works for one person might not work for 10 other people. And I'm in the business of writing for the masses. And more to that point is when you're trying to communicate to a mass audience, it's so hard because I, I like to get so descriptive because I come from more of a like a Texas guy, Clark, uh, a Springsteen. Uh, those guys get so specific and the, the detail and the imagery is so specific, which is goes against everything we kind of quote unquote learn mm-hmm. in Nashville where you have to be vague where it fits everybody. You know, it's, it's just a sunset. It's not a. Georgia sunset or it's because <laughs> there's only so many people from Georgia or, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, it, you have to be vague, but you, I try to get my, my colors in wherever I can. And the poetry is what I still love about writing songs where you can, you look at your co-writer and go, we wrote the hell out of that line. Yeah. And most people don't even hear that. Like my wife is a, she likes melodies she likes her favorite was Michael Jackson. So she could care less about the, what I did in the second verse, the twist of a phrase that John Prine would do, or, uh-huh. you know, she, she could care less and it goes right <laughs> over her head. 
and I love her just as much. But yeah, it's just just comes and goes, and then you just you try to work your style in, become what the writer, be known for what you're known for. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's I hope it's lyric integrity. Yeah, I guess since we were just talking about your most recent, let's go back to one of your first with uh, your Luke Bryan cut, uh, Tailgate Blues. Yeah. Which is an awesome song, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Um, How was that, like, getting your first big cut? And, like, I mean, I know Luke Bryan in 2011 wasn't Luke Bryan today. Sure. But he's still a big name back then. And, like, that's kind of the record that elevated him to be Luke Bryan. Absolutely. Who he is today. Absolutely. how... Your emotions, like when you got that? Well, just a little backstory. I I moved here, I think it was around 2000. So I've been here a while. Mm -hmm. But I didn't necessarily jump in the game. I moved here to write songs, but I kind of, I don't know if I got psyched out or whatever, but I kind of got a day job and I was going to write at night. And then that day job turned into a career. And then I met my wife and then we had a kid. And before you knew it, I was so far away from writing songs. And then I was coming back to songwriting after we, right in the middle of our one and two kids. Mm -hmm. And I started getting back. I didn't have a deal. No one really knew of me. And I met a couple of people, one of them, Matthew Miller, and he hooked me up with Brent Cobb. And it was the first time me and Brent Cobb ever wrote. We, We wrote that song at our kitchen table at my house. And... We sat down and he goes, man, I, I usually don't write the first time with someone. I, I like to fill them out, kind of talk to them. Yeah. He goes, but I, f- I feel something with you. And let's, I got this idea. And he starts playing the beginning of Tailgate Blues. Mm-hmm. And then he gets to the, the hook and he goes, and I got the Mossy Blues. <laughs> and I go, man, you had me hook, line, and sinker until you said Mossy Blues. So what if it's tailgate blues? You're just sitting on a tailgate, hanging out, and you're playing for the stars, and you're missing this girl. And we finished that song. It it went really quick. So still didn't have a deal. I was playing for all kinds of publishers, a handful of songs I've written, that being one of them. Most of them didn't get it. Most of them would turn that song off before, like, a minute in really like they were like, I don't get it at all. I was like, I kind of believe in the song, but you don't want to say that to people you're yeah. interviewing with. But <laughs> you're wrong. You're, you are absolutely <laughs> wrong. And you're going to find out soon. But I was walking, we had our second child, Georgia. I was walking her. My wife was working. I was writing at night. So I was watching Georgia during the day before she could go to daycare. And I was pushing this umbrella stroller down the street mm-hmm. on my, my street and Brent calls me and he goes, Hey buddy, Luke Bryan cut our song today. And I just took off running. Like <laughs> I had won the lottery. The little umbrella stroller was just rattling. I was like, I better slow down or this kid's going to end up in the street. But uh, it was the happiest moment of my career. Just that not knowing what I was going to do, not earning a paycheck, no real solid offers like for, mm-hmm. for like a deal, a mm-hmm. publishing deal. And then that call changed everything. 
The next day, people found out about it. The guys that told me they didn't get that song, next day told me they always loved that song. <laughs> and I'm like, they want to be your friend. Yes. And I was like, and soon as they called out, you know, I was, of course, gracious and they're like, thank you so much. But there was no way I was signing with those guys. Yeah. And there were a couple of, a couple of people they love that song. And that's who I ended up signing with, that being Walter Campbell and Sony. So I had a deal within weeks yeah. after that. And I owe, it, I owe it all to Brent Cobb and his Mossy Blues and certainly <laughs> uh, uh, Luke Bryan for taking a chance on that song. If you listen to that record, there's nothing like that on that record. And everybody knew that was going to be the record. It had a feeling like, this is going to be the one. And it's yeah. certain those singles on that. Oh yeah. I, I mean, mean, like unbelievable country girl kiss tomorrow. Goodbye. Like drunk on you. And just, yeah. And I mean, those songs he still plays. Yeah. yeah. And the greatest thing about it was, you know, I didn't have a deal, so I own that song. So it's kind of oh, great. Yeah. I mean, when it goes almost triple platinum, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, thank you for not giving me a deal. <laughs> so, so that that was one of the secret blessings of that song, for sure. Yeah, that, that uh, tailgates and tan lines that uh, got Troy and I through college. Not to date ourselves or anything. <laughs> that uh, that album alone was uh, Spring Break 2011. That was awesome. So. Yeah, I mean he he really took off after that. And yeah, I, I mean I, it was such a cool thing to be along for the ride because I'll play that still at the Bluebird or wherever and half the audience is singing. That's how big that record was. Yeah. And that was like probably the least single song on that record. Mm -hmm. And I've had Brandon Lay is one of my buddies. He's an artist on Universal. Yeah. When we first started writing together, he goes, you know, Tailgate Blues is mine and my wife's favorite song. And we used to dance to that all the time. And That's I mean, awesome. how can you beat that? Yeah. <laughs> that's all you want as a songwriter that and of course money <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they go hand in hand <laughs> so when you're talking about collaborating with like other songwriters and sometimes even other artists as you mentioned like brent cobb i know that he's and you've written a lot of songs with him and i know that he's also produced a lot of songs out there on the on the uh artist scene but uh, what is would you say is like the most challenging part as well as maybe some of the most like best parts? I know that you mentioned there's sometimes you'll sit down and you write a song in 45 minutes, but there's probably other times it may take you hours or if not weeks, months, years, uh, as you mentioned with the Lindsay L song where it took two and a half years to get that song off. So maybe some of the most challenging parts with collaborating with other artists and songwriters sure. as well as maybe some of the best parts of doing it. Well, there's nothing better than writing with an artist that knows who he or she is. If they know who they are as an artist, it's always easy. I mean, I, I just, I'm a chameleon in the room. I'm not an artist. I don't try to write for myself. I don't put out records, even though I want to, because I got some songs that like, that have been sitting there and you're like, why is this sitting here? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you sit there and go, if you know who you are and we're, we're writing together and I get the vibe and I've done my research and, it's not very difficult for me to just go right in and throw something at them and just get that rapport. The most difficult thing is to sit in a room with someone that doesn't know who they are as an artist or as a writer. Uh -huh. And 
it, it makes for a long day. It makes for a hard relationship to keep, but I never mind taking my time on songs. I'm, I'm not a fast writer. I can be, uh, if it comes out, it's like certain songs we've already talked about two of them. We can fly through them, but if it isn't right, it isn't right. And I, I'll take four rights. I'll take five rights. I'll take six months. Yeah. What if it's not sitting and you believe in the song, I'll take as long as I want. And the other hard part of it is me as a father and as a husband who wants to contribute to my family financially. The difficult part is, you know, the games, the waiting game, you know, the political mm-hmm. game, you know, who gets the singles, who gets the cuts. And my my songs got to be great to be someone in the in the circle of trust yeah. and those or if the artist wrote it like Lindsay has Lindsay has a bunch of songs I'm sure they're amazing my song had to be that much better to even crack that egg yeah know, I was gonna say because like I think on her first record like I think she co-wrote like I think all of them yeah I don't know so yeah. it's pretty awesome that she did cut your song and outside of Brent Cobb a lot of my my cuts and have been outside cuts, but that's the challenging part. Thankfully, my wife has a really good job and she works really hard and she, she provides the, you know, a lot of the money she provides the, the insurance. And I mean, she's, she carries a lot of the burden, but that's the hard part about being, you know, my age as a mature man and with kids I don't see a lot of people being able to stay in there long enough to really grab a hold of the, you know, the financial mm-hmm. windfall, if it is a windfall or just to earn that number 10 or whatever, yeah. they, they've got to get out and like figure out how they're going to put food on the table. So mm-hmm. that that's, that's what I face as a, as an older writer. I'm not, I'm not old, but uh, as an older writer with adult responsibilities, Whereas like Joey Hyde's out there partying every day and <laughs> hanging out with famous people. I'm, I'm fixing lunches and <laughs> taking girls to soccer practice. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you have a couple awesome cuts with Josh Abbott, man. A uh, little more you and wasn't that drunk. Wasn't that drunk is one of my favorite songs. I know you wrote that with Matt McGinn and Emily, Emily Wise, yeah. man. And I know you guys, you guys wrote it as a duet or as a duet, right? No. Well, because we wrote it demo. Yeah, we wrote it. We have two demos. Okay. So one's just straight Matt singing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then we were like, we might as well. We were thinking of Lady A. That song is so funny. I love that song. Little Big Town. Cut that song. They never released it. Uh, Uh, Lady A had it. They took it in the studio. I don't think they, they may have cut it. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But they had it going into the studio. Mm-hmm. And then we wrote it for those groups. Yeah. And then when they, I guess, passed on it, we were like, what are we going to do now? <laughs> and then Josh Abbott came around on his white horse and goes, I'll take it. I love it. He was with Warner, just lost his Warner deal, or he, he cut it while he was at Warner however it happened. And he picked Carly Pierce as the duet. Yeah. And 
when he lost his Warner deal, we were like, what's going to happen? He goes, don't worry about it. I got it. So he pushed that little, little engine that could up to into the thirties, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's my highest charting single today. And I really appreciate what Josh has done. I mean, he's such a good dude. And I don't know if people know this. I don't even know if I'm supposed to tell this, but <laughs> you guys got an exclusive here. Breaking but news. <laughs> breaking news. This is how good of a dude he is. He knows the streaming world. He knows we're not going to make a lot of money on that song. Mm-hmm. So he goes, hey, guys, I just sent you a present in the mail. Look for it next few days. It was in December. It was right around Christmas time. So I opened my mail one day. There's a check, a personal check from Josh Abbott. Wow. I'm not going to tell you how much it was, but yeah. it was a good, really good check. Yeah. And he said, and it was written to me. He just said, that song did more for me than it probably did for you. But I want you to know how much it means to me. Yeah, that's amazing. So he's, I, I don't know of any other, maybe Kit Moore's doing that kind of program now, but. I've never heard of really any other artists. I did. I don't meet some of the artists. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. that cut my songs, and Josh wrote it from his personal bank account. It wasn't from the Josh Abbott Band yeah. slush fund or whatever you call that. But <laughs> I thought amazing. that I thought that was really special. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So when it came to a little more you, I'm sorry if I'm just no no you're rolling good. <laughs> over you. So when he asked me if I had any more songs. I was like, absolutely. I, w- I gave him really good songs, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't have a major deal. I was yeah. like, that's how much he means to me. I was like, I'll give you some of my best songs. If you want to cut it, that's great. Yeah. You know, so I'm sure a few of my co-writers were like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what about Kenny Chesney? I was like, dude, this guy's been so good to me. And once I told him how good he's been to me, they were like, Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I think the little more use is going to be the, the next radio single for him. It's awesome. where he goes nationwide. That's great. Yeah, I think that that just goes to show like kind of like how such a small world, the, the country songwriters and artists can be overall. And if you treat each other well, I mean, I think it just goes, what goes around comes around. It's good karma all around. Absolutely. One of my favorite uh, cuts of yours and, and perhaps maybe there's, not too great a story around here, but you, I want to hear from you. But uh, Damn Good Friends is one of my favorite cuts. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, from uh, Tyler Farr with Jason Aldean. So tell, tell us a little bit about that one. And I uh, would love to just hear from, from your side of the fence. Well, I wrote that one with Brent Anderson and Chris Dubois. And Chris has written 400 number ones. I don't know. He, <laughs> he's written just about everything Brad Paisley's put out. and uh, Chris Jansen, Buy Me a Boat. I mean, he's just a tremendous, tremendous songwriter and tremendous person. Well, we we had a kind of a regular write. We we got together one day and it was one of those we couldn't think of anything. And I said, damn good friends. I said, what about damn good friends? And Brent Anderson goes, friends, damn good friends. And I was like, whoa, what is that? So we were we were rocking on it. We had like the, we had the, the outline. We knew things were going to happen in the first verse. What was going to happen? Didn't know what, how we were going to say they happened. Mm-hmm. The chorus, we had the second verse idea and a couple other ideas. 
and then we wrote as much as we could. And then all of, I think I had to go to a girl's soccer practice. See, <laughs> see what I mean? Joey Hyde. Uh, priorities. priorities. <laughs> yeah. So I had my priorities and we finished, I think we got through the first verse and chorus. And then later that night, this is the way I remember it. It might've been two nights later. But it was like a little magic elf put a file in my inbox and it was uh-huh. from Chris Dubois. And he <laughs> goes, what about this? And it was the twist. It was the second verse. It was the bridge. Yeah. The sleeping on the couch <laughs> bridge. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And we got back together and tightened everything up. And I went home and told my wife, I was like, I think I wrote one of my best songs today. And she goes, oh, yeah, let me hear it. (laughs) So I play it for her. And she goes, that is the most redneck thing I have ever heard. She goes, I don't like it. I was like, you don't like that? She goes, again, she's Michael Jackson. She wants to dance in her car. Um, And she goes, no, that's really redneck. And I was like, you grew up in Ashland City. You know these guys, you know? And... I was like, I think it'll probably get cut. I was being bold. Yeah. She just shot me down and I was like, oh yeah, well, I think it'll get cut in two weeks. And it wasn't much longer after that. It got cut. And then I was like, cool, Tyler Farr's cutting it. All right. And then they go, Jason Aldean's going to be on it. I was like, all right, now we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) And that, here's, if you want honesty, you know, I was like, please be a single. And I thought it should have been a single and Tyler's told me it should have been a single, but you know, the way label politics work, they couldn't work out Mm -hmm. slotting in it in between two Jason singles at the time. So we never got that single and I got to go back to work. Yeah. That that stinks. Cause like that's, I was looking on Spotify yesterday and that's Tyler Farr's like, second most streamed song yeah so it's like you'd think that would be on the radio but you would think <laughs> you would think yeah it that that's been kind of the story of my career i mean i've been really close with guys that i thought were going to be the next big thing and we've written so many songs and then yeah they never get the chance and then the the guy i probably overlooked because i was working with the other guys Mm-hmm. They just go straight bomb and just, you know, and then the, the singles you think are no brainers, apparently have a big brain <laughs> <laughs> and they don't, they don't become singles. So it's, that's been the frustrating part of my career. Um, you know, I'm certainly proud of the ones, you know, it's funny cause you know, that wasn't a single, but yeah, you can tell people react to that. And I, I guess that's some kind of, you know, some satisfaction. Satisfaction doesn't yeah. doesn't help your wallet. Doesn't doesn't help me go to nice my wife and ego. go. <laughs> Here's what we're doing for Christmas. Yeah. So it's still out there. It's yeah. still out there. Yeah, and so a crazy cut that you have, I think, is Kid Rock. I mean, very that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> that's very crazy. That is. It's a great song. Too, in a million like, years, I never imagined that song or Kid Rock ever hearing a song of mine. And then he cuts it. I mean, we, uh, we wrote that for Joey Hyde when he had his label deal with Universal. Uh-huh. 
and he cut it. And we were so excited because I'm a huge Joey fan. I'm just, I mean, he's one of my best buds. And we cheer for each other as professionals and as men. And when he lost his deal, I was just like, man, that just, it, it crushed me. And I know it, it really hurt him. But it was probably, I mean, that record went away. I mean, it just went on a shelf. Uh-huh. No one ever heard it. I didn't know. I was like, at least release the record. And yeah. Let us hear that. But I don't know why they don't, but they usually don't. I guess they take it as a tax write-off and just move on. But it's weird. Joey's A&R guy was Joe Fisher. And he worked on that record with Joey. Mm-hmm. He was out with Kid Rock one night at the Ryman watching Chris Stapleton and Marin Morris. So Kid Rock wants to go meet Marin. So they go backstage and guess who's backstage with Marin? Joey Hyde. Joey Hyde. <laughs> so Joe sees Joey Hyde. Having no responsibilities. <laughs> having no responsibilities. It's probably a Tuesday night. He, he's got nothing else. But uh, they go backstage and for some reason, it makes sense to Joe that night. Like, oh, yeah, you had a song on your record that I think would be great for Kid Rock and uh, American Rock and Roll. Yeah. And Joey goes, oh, yeah. He goes, he's talking to Kid Rock now. He goes, I think you'd really dig it. And and, and Kid Rock goes, I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) Joey goes, fair enough. Fair enough. So I didn't know any of this went on. Monday morning, my publisher sends me an email and all of Warner Chapel, I was at Warner Chapel at the time, was attached to it. And they said, Neil, a guy named Bobby Ritchie wants to cut this song. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Answer, you know, push send on it. And I had no idea who Bobby Ritchie was. <laughs> I was like, who is that? That must be some baby artist they're trying to develop. It's like, rock and roll, dude. Go cut it. And then he said, also known as Kid Rock. And I was like, what? So he cut it. He cut it here in Nashville. And a lot of the same players that played on our demo, or actually it was on Joey's record. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever demoed that, which was even better. They they played on that record, and one of my good friends, Kristen Rogers, uh-huh. same backgrounds on that that song, and it was unbelievable. I mean, yeah, that and it was on the greatest hits record. That's which, incredible. Which is probably not a greatest hit. Let's be honest, <laughs> but it's on there with Cowboy and yeah, hey, and all the other good Kid Rock ones. So I got so much cred from the my cousins in Kentucky that I was on. <laughs> that really made sense. They didn't care about Tyler Farr, Luke Bryan, but yeah. Kid Rock, they cared about. So. <laughs> Gotta love that. Well, I know that there's a lot of, uh, just in kind of being buddies with some of the songwriters on the scene, I know that there's a lot of uh, like songwriters rounds where they do a lot of like retreats and whatnot. Do you have any good stories for us to share where you've kind of gone on like a retreat or anything where you kind of like sat down and been kind of locked away for a little bit with your, your friends and were able to kind of write a song that kind of came something. Uh, I'm trying to think, uh, I've been on several retreats and I, I absolutely love them because it, it does give me a little time to like focus 
where I don't have my internal clock of, okay, I got to be out of here by four. I got to go home, check on the kids, help with homework. So if I'm away and my, my wife and everybody knows that I'm going to be away, mm-hmm. it's, it's a great spot for me to kind of sit there and concentrate and really be stress-free through a right. And not that I'm stressed out, but my clock, my internal yeah, clock is yeah. so honed right now that I, I know. No soccer practice? Yeah, no soccer practice. But uh, I don't know if there's anything great. I, I wrote a really cool one with Hardy on a retreat. And uh, there, hopefully that'll see the light of day someday. Uh, he's got to be running out of songs by now. That <laughs> they'll, they'll stumble on that one. But uh, Hori Pro or Mojo is who I write for now. They're, they're a company in town. And they do a really good job of getting us on retreats. They do a, a spring and a fall. And we all go and they bring artists and they bring another company usually. And we all get together. But. I've written some good songs. I, I got to go write with Bubba Strait, George Strait's son, uh, last year. I just demoed two of those songs. And that was really cool to kind of yeah. see their world and get to know him. He's an excellent dude and a really good writer. So it's it takes you places. And uh, I've been blessed to to go do USO things. I've been blessed to go hang out and just drink beer and write songs with your buddies. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't I complain. Could, I can't complain one bit. <laughs> I mean, when they, they glamorize songwriting, that that's certainly the glamor part of it. Mm-hmm. The hard part of it is that day to day, wake up, come up with something good, write it the best you can, you know, lunch pail kind of attitude of mm-hmm. this is all I got, you know, I gotta, I gotta provide. So, I got to take it seriously, but the, the retreats are pretty treats in there for a reason. <laughs> so that's awesome. So during the songwriting process and everything, what would you say is one of your like strongest traits when like writing a song? Sure. Um, I like to think I have good ideas mm-hmm. or I know how to figure out an idea and communicate that idea. Yeah. I don't have the greatest melodies. You know, I'm not from the I'm not from the new age that has a little more swag in my melodies. Yeah. Which I love those guys and when I'm in a room with a guy that can really execute the new sound where I can add the lyric and the idea and kind of go with that and I can play on the melody for sure, but that's where I'm I'm best suited if if there's a strong melody person in there. That, yeah. It's current and maybe it's a track guy or whatever, that's where I, I, re- I really do well. Mm-hmm. So I can bring the, the meat and potatoes, so <laughs> to speak. So I know uh, kind of taking us a little bit off the uh, the music path a little bit, but if I'm not mistaken, you're a, a Packers fan. I, I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. Okay. I'm a Titans fan. Uh, I grew up in Kentucky, and we didn't have, we didn't have a NFL team. So when I moved here... Right around, it was right around 2000. So it was the Music City Miracle. Yeah. Right around. So I, I was, I was all in on the Titans. But when Aaron Rodgers came to the Packers and then Randall Cobb was a receiver, he went to Kentucky. He was our quarterback at Kentucky. 
So I just started cheering for both of those guys. And of course, everybody else that I, so I yeah. get, I get really pumped up about both the, both those teams. So that they're the only teams that stress me out. I'm just like, <laughs> but it's good to have, if the Titans play the Packers, I have to go Titans. Okay. But, I was just about to ask that. I was yeah. like, hey, what if it's a Titans Packers Super Bowl? <laughs> that would be amazing. I mean, that's a win-win for you. It is a win-win. I hope at least one of them gets there. It's going to be a tough one. But Aaron Rodgers, he's a stud. He's yeah. very good. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, obviously we talked a lot, a lot of cuts. The, the one cut and obviously one of my uh, good guys that uh, we've been following for quite some time now is Steve Mokler. Oh, yeah. We haven't really had a chance to talk about him, but uh, following him for probably, what, Troy, close to six, seven years now or so. Yeah since he mm-hmm. kind of stepped on the scene and love his music and just talk a little bit about working with him and, and the cut that you were able to kind of do with him. And Steve, Steve is just, he is a songwriting fool. I mean, <laughs> he really gets the craft and as an artist, he knows what he wants to say. And I've written some of my all time favorite songs with Steve and we haven't written we may have written 10 songs, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I don't think we've got a like an average song in the bunch. Yeah. I mean, it, he brings that out of me where I, I really want to impress him, to be honest. I mean, he's a younger dude than I am, but I look up to him. I mean, he's, he's so good. He's got the best attitude and the talent is off the charts of yeah. what he can do. And we wrote that song. And he's he's like one of those artists, you know, why not him artists? Like, yeah. You know, you see all the guys on the on the radio and you're like, why not Steve Mokler? I definitely agree with that. He's super underrated, puts on a good live show. He's got great music. Like his albums from like front to back are all great songs. Yeah. And the particular song we wrote, Breaking New Ground, he was talking about his campground tour or the camper tour he does oh, yeah, yeah. every was in the backyard fall. Or, yeah, he goes yeah. house to house and him and his wife, and they just, you know, they get at this grassroots kind of feel to it. And he was sitting there talking to Ryan Beaver, and he goes, yeah, just out there breaking new ground. I go, did you ever write that? He goes, what? I said, did you ever write breaking new ground? He goes, no. And I was like, <laughs> we're going to write breaking new ground right now. And then, so, uh, and I just... I just heard it as kind of a a Springsteen kind of he's got Springsteen in him. He does you know, that Pennsylvania, you know, steel mill kind of dude. And we started writing that just as if we were writing a song for Springsteen. So <laughs> he loved it and he cut it and put it out. And uh, I, I love that song. But we've got a couple more I'll need to send you guys that are I think even better than that. To be really? honest. I mean I love that he cut that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I mean, just the content we have, we have a couple songs specifically that have such a deeper meaning that it's very hard to pass mm-hmm. through the radio people, but I just love them to death. So I'll have to send those to you guys. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That's all I got for me, Neil. Thanks for kind of sitting down with us. Troy, I'll kick it over to you, man. Yeah, I mean, that's all I have, too. We appreciate you coming over. Really uh, really enjoyed hearing all about your songs that you've written and the backstories and getting to know you, too. 
Absolutely. Um, so well, really man, appreciate it. I appreciate y'all giving a damn, to be honest. <laughs> um, it's just, I always consider myself the other guy. You know, the other guy, uh-huh. when I write with Brent Cobb, it's a Brent Cobb song. Yeah. When I write with Joey or whatever, you just kind of go with it. But I appreciate people wanting to know more about the songwriting process and mm-hmm. people shining a little little light on us every once in a while. It's, yeah. It's pretty fun to do these. So <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you for letting me come on. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back on when hopefully Lindsay's song is it's way up there in the yeah, charts. It'll just be a podcast of us just drinking. So, like, <laughs> if we make it into the top 10, we'll just be drinking beer. Be like, not talking at all. You'll just be hearing beer cans pop. If that happens, I'll be there in person. I promise. You better. You better. <laughs> I'll bring the champagne. <laughs> that sounds good. All right. Well, we appreciate it. And thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. All right. And that was an awesome interview with Neil. Like we said before, like it was great to get to know him and super fun guy, super cool. Uh, we're really, really pulling for him. Hope that uh, Lindsay L. I Don't Love You goes way up the charts. I mean, it'd be awesome if it hit number one, but I think would be, you know, I think he's just happy to be along for the ride. So hopefully it keeps going up. Chris, why don't you uh, tell us what we got going on in the music world this week and this summer? Yeah, absolutely. And Troy, I'll keep my promise too. If he gets one of those singles out there, I'll uh, I'll come back to Nashville and celebrate with you and Neil, and uh, we'll pop some of those beers. Heck yeah! But yeah, we had uh, quite a few announcements this last week. Uh, so starting us off, we actually have the Luke Bryan Proud to Be Here tour. Uh, we're actually starting in Cincinnati, Ohio, in May 28th, and then that's going through October 10th. So we got quite a few dates. But he's going to go with uh, Morgan Whalen on or Morgan Wallen with uh, Runaway June and Kaylee Hammock. So really excited for that tour. Really looking forward to that. Hopefully we can catch a show. I think he's actually coming to Nashville on July 30th. So we'll probably be at that show. Uh, and maybe we'll catch another one. I know our, our uh, friends in Des Moines, Iowa, they can catch them on uh, September 24th. So perhaps maybe we'll uh, be able to catch one of those or a couple of those shows. Uh, otherwise, our other friend, Steve Mokler, he actually just dropped another album blue jeans on friday go check it out uh as we were talking with neil great guy from philadelphia area he's awesome artist awesome songwriter been on the scene for a while now he puts on a great show if you haven't seen him live go get your tickets go see him you won't be disappointed probably one of the coolest vocalists you'll ever see and he always does a meet and greet after the show where he just wants to hear you see you sign your koozies sign your hats whatever you have Probably one of the most down-to-earth guys. And if you have a black and gold shirt, I know he's a big Steelers fan. So he would love to kind of meet you afterwards, no matter what. And then last but not least, uh, Old Dominion released a tour date schedule for this upcoming year as well called We Are Old Dominion. And they're going to be on tour with Dustin Lynch, their friends, and uh, Carly Pierce that they have come to uh, close friends with. And that one's going to be starting in Key West on May 5th. For the Songwriters Fest, they're actually kicking that one off, which obviously Troy and I are going to be at as well. Uh, and then that's going to go through uh, the summer as well. So looking forward to going to some of these shows across the year. Hopefully uh, we'll see you guys around. And if you haven't had a chance to check out some of their music, definitely go check it out. Otherwise, we'll keep you guys up to date. But really looking forward to some of these shows and listening to some of the new music that all these artists have to uh, play throughout the year. 
All right. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Snapback Country. We appreciate it, guys. We'll catch you next week. Yep. See you next week, guys. I just want you to come back.